Sue O'Malley. I'm a speech and language therapist in the UK. I'm working in independent practice at the moment. I've been listening to lots of podcasts relating to speech and language therapy. Most of them seem to um, come from America. So I thought I'd have a go at it myself. So this is my first try. I qualified in 2002. So as a practice podcast, I'm delivering um, a workshop tomorrow to 40 earliest practitioners. So I thought I'd run through my talk. And the title of the talk is Developing Vocabulary in Preschoolers. Um, so, my opening slide is a quote from John Burko, 2008. Communication is crucial. It underpins every child's ability to attain, succeed and make friends. But it just doesn't, but it doesn't just happen. It needs to be taught and nurtured. Um, so, we do tend to think that certain developmental um, aspects just happen in children. They just grow, they just crawl, they just walk. Um, other things we do presume children need to be taught so we presume they need to be taught how to read and write and they need, need to be taught their numeracy skills but lots of people also think that communication doesn't need to be taught and to a certain extent if you just if a child's just exposed to general communication in their environment they will learn to talk but if a child's taught communication skills, obviously those skills are going to be better. So, let's have a look. So my talk is about vocabulary development. Um, I just looked on the, um, the guide for the workshop tomorrow and someone's decided that it's I'm not just speaking about preschool children, I'm talking about primary age as well, so that's fine. So what is vocabulary development? We're talking about words in your head rather than written words. And if I can just define, the, there's receptive vocabulary and expressive vocabulary. So receptive vocabulary, otherwise known as comprehension, is what you understand. So you may understand what a word means, even if you can't explain the meaning to others or pronounce the word correctly, it still may be in there in your receptive vocabulary. But expressive vocabulary are things you can name or information you can recall. For example, um, in a pub quiz, you often know the answer, so you know it's in your receptive vocabulary, but you just can't express the answer um, so if it was a question about David Bowie you might think oh I know the name of that pop star he wears makeup and his surname begins with a B so it's in there it's in your receptive vocabulary and then you think David Bowie is it David Bowie or David Bowie and there you've expressed it My next slide is entitled, What it is to know a word. So to truly know a word, first of all, you, you need to have heard it before. You need to remember it. To truly know it, you might be able to define it and put it in a sentence. 
So for example, binoculars, lots of children, I show, um, show them a picture of binoculars on the Renfrew word finding vocabulary test and they, they, they don't know what they are. They, well, they can't tell me what they are. And the parents are astounded and they say, he knows what they are, he's got some in his room, he was playing with them yesterday. So they are in, in the, possibly, in the child's receptive vocabulary. Um, but they haven't remembered it because they can't tell me what it is. Sometimes the gesture, um, sometimes they can almost define it, the gesture, what you do with binoculars, and they might tell me all the things that you look through, so they're almost defining it. But they wouldn't be able to put it in, in a sentence. They wouldn't be able to say, I have binoculars in my room. Um, so an example that I'm, I'm using from um, an adult's point of view, two, two words that um, I came across about five years ago in conversation. So that was when I was 44. Um, and I thought, I don't, know what, I don't know what those words mean. So one of them was lanyard, um, which is unusual because I've been wearing a lanyard <laughs> since taking my, my first speech therapy job in 2002. I've been wearing a lanyard but didn't know it was called a lanyard. And another word that came up in conversation, nepotism. Someone said, oh, that was a case of nepotism. So our vocabulary is developing throughout our lives. Um, so last time I delivered um, this PowerPoint presentation in a workshop, there were 25 early years practitioners there. And I said, put up your hand if you think you know the word lanyard. And I think seven people put their hands up and we were all wearing lanyards around our neck. Um, nepotism, I think three people put their hand up. When I asked, could you define it? I was just left with one person with a hand up and that person did define it, but still didn't feel confident enough to put that word in, in a sentence for me. So the answers are on my next slide. Lanyard, a rope used to secure or raise and lower something, such as the shrouds and sails of a sailing ship, or a flag on a flagpole. A cord passed around the neck, shoulder or wrist for holding a knife, whistle or similar object. And of course, the lanyards that we were wearing, um, because we were in a college building, around our neck all had our ID badges on. Nepotism, the practice among those with power or influence of favouring relatives or friends, especially by giving them jobs. So, which words do we need to teach children? Um, so a little girl that I used to look after when she was two years and she had really good speech and language skills, we were out in the park and she heard the birds tweeting in the trees and she said, birds shouting and um, so she got the right word for the birds but she obviously got the wrong verb she said they were shouting rather than singing or tweeting 
Um, then more recently, she's five now, um, she came out with a statement. She said to me, you are too jealous to ask him. And what was happening was we were swimming and there was a little boy wearing um, Paw Patrol armbands and she wanted to borrow them and she'd asked me if I could ask the little boy, could we borrow his armbands? And when I said no, she said, you are, you're too jealous to ask him. And I said, what, what does jealous mean? And she went, she said, um, too shy. <laughs> On to my next slide. Understanding the meanings of words, semantics. What makes a dog a dog? If I show you a real poodle, a picture of an Alsatian or a plastic terrier, you may call each one a dog. This is because we recognise the shape of a dog. If children are playing a game and one of them is pretending to be a dog, they will call him the dog. So these are all different representations of dog, as is the written word dog. So a real poodle, a picture of an Alsatian, a plastic terrier, a boy and a written word, five items are all dogs. How can five things all be represented by one spoken word? This seems obvious to us as adults, but we learned this when we were children. So what makes a dog a dog? And then we have an activity to do. Write down seven things you know about dogs, then compare your answers to the person next to you. You will be able to map most of the information you wrote under the following headings. Category, function, sounds in the word, location, attributes and parts. So for a category, you may have said a pet or an animal or canine. For the function, what it does or what you can do to it. Eat, walk, sleep, stroke. Sounds in the words, um, three phonemes, de ogre, one syllable, begins with a de, rhymes with log. Location, a kennel, a pet shop, my dog's on the couch at the moment. Attributes, um, tame, friendly, parts, tail, paws, ears. So children learn these basic things through interactions in their environment and then when they come across another similar item, for example a cat, they make comparisons with the dog they have stored in their brain to decide if it is the same or different. New knowledge builds on old knowledge in this way. My next slide says, we file information in our brain according to the titles, function, location, etc. Which is why as an adult, you'll be able to carry out the recall task because you have a well-stocked, well-organized filing cabinet in your brain. But children aged three to five years may find this challenging. So the recall task is, name three things that are the same about cats and dogs. 
Name three things that are different about cats and dogs. Use the words cat and dog in one sentence. Define tiger. Name five pets in addition to cat and dog. And then the people at the workshop are asked. So bearing this in mind, what do you do and what could you do? to help children learn and fully understand new words. And the example I've given is, young children often do not know category names and so an adult may support their learning of vocabulary by providing this information whilst the item is present. For example, which fruit would you like, an apple or a banana? Other examples, sort and classify objects, for example, fruits and vegetables, tame and wild animals. This encourages good storage in the memory. Guess the item in a feely bag. What does it look like? Where would you find it? What does it do? What could you do with it? This gives maximum understanding of the word. Think of reasons why things are the same and why they're different. Name things in a given category. For example, name animals, name fruits, name jobs, name buildings. This tests recall and encourages good story in the memory. Odd one out games, for example, which is the odd one out? Orange banana, cauliflower. <laughs> My next slide talks about how information goes in, is stored and is retained and is recalled. So there's an activity here and it's taken from a little bit of advertising now. Um, it's taken from a pack that I'm due to have published in March by Zigzag Education. Um, it's for BTEC children's, mm, children's play learning and development, I think the course is called. And my module, my module is children's communication, literacy and numeracy. It's unit two. Um, and I'm having a pack published in March 2017. Um, 50 activities for early years professionals. Anyway, so this model explains how information goes in, auditory stimulus, visual stimulus, olfactory stimulus and tactile stimulus. So we hear a word, we might see what that word relates to, we might smell the item, we might see the item. So for example, a strawberry someone might say, do you want a strawberry? You hear them, you see it, you smell it, you touch it. The word goes into your short-term memory. The information is there, needs to be there long enough for you to notice it. Words are only around momentarily unless they're repeated. And for it to go into your long-term memory, you store the information according to what you according to the knowledge you already have about similar objects. So
So you would store it in your filing cabinet under fruit, under red items, under food. And then when you want to ask for a strawberry, you need to recall that information and use your spoken language to say strawberry. And so things can go wrong at any point. And an example of when things went wrong for me, when I was, I think it was 11, my mum said, do you want a sausage dog? So it was just words, there was no real dog there. And I said, no, thank you. And then later on in the day, I said, oh, mum, can, can I have that hot dog now? And, and, and she said, no, no, I mean a dog, a real dog, a pet dog. And um, yeah, so I got my first pet dog. But I, <laughs> Obviously, when the information went in, it was just auditory information. And I stored it according to the knowledge I had about sausages. <laughs> ah, and recalled it incorrectly, recalled sausage hot dog instead of sausage dog. Anyway, I think uh, they do an activity there and then that's the end of my presentation. So that was useful to me. I hope it was useful to you if you're listening and thank you. <laughs>